Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen, believe it or not. Uh, we had a makeup artist in our church that I wasn't aware of. Anyway, it's great to see everyone. We're at week five of five in a, at the movie series, and our movie today is Coco. How many people have seen it? Okay, about half of you. I'll kind of fill you in. There'll be, a spoilers, be some spoilers for some of you if you plan to see it later. Uh, I didn't care for it the first time I watched it. It got better as I watched it over and over again. And I got so that there were so many things I wanted to talk about. I had to eliminate half of them. I could actually talk for an hour probably. But I won't, so be relaxed. <laughs> so, to me, the main deal for the, in the movie is this problem or conflict. What do you do, or what do we do when our passion, our giftedness, our, our uh, talents, whatever, conflicts with those we care about, our loved ones? Whether it's in a family, uh, could be people at work, at school, uh, could be in church. What do you do when your passion, your giftedness, what you want to do conflicts with those you care about. So we're going to watch the first two minutes of the movie, kind of sets the stage of what, what's going on, and then we'll, we'll proceed from there. Sometimes I think I'm cursed because of something that happened before I was even born. See, a long time ago, there was this family. The papa, he was a musician. He and his family would sing and dance and count their blessings. But he also had a dream to play for the world. And one day, he left with his guitar and never returned. And the mama, she didn't have time to cry over that walkaway musician. After banishing all music from her life, she found a way to provide for her daughter. She rolled up her sleeves and she learned to make shoes. She could have made candy or, or fireworks or sparkly underwear for wrestlers, but no, she chose shoes. Then she taught her daughter to make shoes. And later, she taught her son-in-law. Then her grandkids got roped in. As her family grew, so did the business. Music had torn her family apart. But shoes held them all together. You see, that woman was my great-great-grandmother, Mama Imelda. She died way before I was born. But my family still tells her story every year on Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. And her little girl, she's my great-grandmother, Mama Coco. Hola, Mama Coco. Okay, so Coco is not the main character in the movie. Uh, Miguel, the 12-year-old boy or somewhere around there, is the main character. And so great-great-grandfather left his wife and Coco for his dream of doing music. So from that time on, music was excluded from the family. No music. And they, they uh, supported themselves through making shoes. 
So in that dilemma, when your giftedness, whether it be music, whatever it is, collides or conflicts with the family, what do you do? I put it this way, who is going to win? Are you, is family going to win? Uh, or those you care about are going to win? Or is your, your giftedness, your passion, your talents going to win? Because here's the thing about talents. Talents help us matter. The things we're good at make us feel good about ourselves. Things we're good at are the things that, way we contribute to society. Uh, things, the talents, gifts, and ability gives us a feeling of fulfillment and purpose in life. So consequently, I'm going to struggle if I can't develop my gifts or talents. Now, we all have gifts and talents. Um, some of you are like good at everything. Most of us are kind of just average type people. And there's a few things we might be good at and a lot of things we're not good at. <clears throat> but talents help us matter. But who are your gifts and talents and abilities for? Bottom line, who are they for? Now, society would tell you it's to make you happy, make you feel fulfilled, and that does produce that result. But we know, or we should know, <laughs> we'll look at what uh, God has to say, they're not, first and foremost, for us. I don't know how many far-side enthusiasts we have out here, when I thought about giftedness, I, uh, I had to show you this one. This is a school for the gifted. All right, he may be gifted at some things, but can't figure out how the door works. All right, so none of us are good at everything. But we have our giftedness, we have our talent, we have our passions, and we think, well, the most important thing is me, so I'm going to pursue my passions, etc. But pursuing our own happiness above all else doesn't make us happy. And we see this in the movie. Miguel decides to do this, and then through most of the ma movie, Miguel is not a happy camper, as we say. So we're going to show you the clip where he surprises his family with the, uh, this music thing that he's been hiding from them. Papa! Papa! It's him! I know where my great-great-grandfather was! Miguel, get down from there! Mama Coco's father was Ernesto de la Cruz! What are you talking about? I'm going to be a musician! What is all this? You keep secrets from your own family? It's all that time he spends in the plaza. Fills his head with crazy fantasies. It's not a fantasy. That man was Ernesto de la Cruz, the, the greatest musician of all time. We've never known anything about this man. But whoever he was, he still abandoned his family. This is no future for my son. But, Papa, you, you said my family would guide me. Well, De La Cruz is my family. I'm supposed to play music. Never! That man's music was a curse. I will not allow it. If you would just... Miguel. You will listen to your family. No more music. Just listen to me play. End of argument. You want to end up like that man? Forgotten? Left off your family's ofrenda? I don't care if I'm on some stupid ofrenda. <gasps> no! Mama! There. No guitar, no music. Oh, come. You feel better after you eat with your family. I don't want to be in this family! Miguel! Miguel! Okay, so it comes to a head. Uh, music's a curse, or consider a curse for their family. Uh, he wants to pursue music. He said, they say, you got a family has to come first. He says, I don't want to be part of this family. And so 
we have this conflict. And a lot of the movie takes place in this, I call it a fantasy place called uh, uh, Land of the Dead. Most of us wouldn't believe it in that. And uh, we see the conflict play out. So the Bible has a lot to talk about conflict, obviously. And we're going to look at something that a guy by the name of Paul wrote. that started a lot of churches. And he wrote letters to these churches. And as we see, almost all these letters have addressed conflict. So if you join a church and think there's not going to be any conflict, well, they've been conflict in churches since the first century. But he gives us the solution to not only conflict in church, but also conflict in, in family. So this is in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> Look at how much encouragement you found in your, in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So he said, okay, first, before we talk about the conflict, let's talk about this wonderful relationship we have through, uh, with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, relationship with the Anointed One. And we also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So he experiences love, affection, and mercy. All right, so that's the foundation of of all our relationships, all of our experiences. So then he asks a question. So, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you join together in perfect unity, one heart, one passion, united in one love, walking together with one harmonious purpose. And we all have different opinions, but it's possible to have one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded love. One way we say this, the Holy Spirit in me is not going to argue with the Holy Spirit in you. There's a oneness there. It talks about one uh, heart, one passion, united in love. <clears throat> now, what we sometimes try and do is try harder. You know, I'm struggling in this relationship. I'm just going to try harder. I'm not going to get angry. Well, that doesn't really work, does it? And let me try and illustrate why. I could try as hard as I want to play the keyboards. Would I be able to produce nice music? <laughs> no. You all know me well, don't you? <laughs> now, people that do play the keyboard, why can they play it? Not because they tried hard, they probably did their best, but they did what? Day after day, week after week, year after year. They practiced. So the key is practicing what produces a result that you want. I can say, hey, uh, Fred, go run a marathon. Is Fred going to be able to run a marathon? Probably not, because he hasn't practiced. So the same thing in our relationships. If we want our relationships to be harmonious, we want to have unity, we have to practice the components that produce unity. So what do you do, this is on your outline, what do you do, what we do, is or should be a response to what God has already done for us. What he said, you know, Jesus died for you, he loves you, Holy Spirit's been given to you, empower you. So it's a response to that uh, what is what we should be doing. Now we all <clears throat> have more in common than what separates us, even those that are, that are not churchgoers. We all have more in common than what separates us. We should focus on those things and love one another and that'll help with the, the, the conflict. So then we get to a scene in the movie where <clears throat> Miguel discovers something and it begins to uh, help him understand 
what has happened and which direction he should go. This is an encounter with his great-great-grandmother. Blessing! But when we had Coco, suddenly there was something in my life that mattered more than music. I wanted to put down roots. He wanted to play for the world. We each made a sacrifice to get what we wanted. Now you must make a choice. But I don't want to pick sides. Why can't you be on my side? That's what family's supposed to do. Support you. But you never will. Music's the only thing that can make me happy. Families are there to post to support you. He's building a case, right? They should let him do his music. She said, when Coco was born, something mattered more than music. Relationships, more important. Her husband, Hector, <laughs> Uh, left to do music. He doesn't come back, but you find out, this is a spoiler, uh, he's murdered. That's why he doesn't come back. The implication is he would realize that his family is more important and come home. So Paul gives us some practical advice with dealing with this issue, especially this conflict. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Now, we all have opinions but when we insist that we're always right, that's prideful. They will only harm your cherished unity. So we're putting that, my opinion, above the unity. It says, don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. That's a, that I know best. <clears throat> but an authentic humility, it can be false humility, an authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. And the pushback is, well, other people aren't more important than, than I am. And that's true. Other people aren't more important than you. But the key to unity and the key to resolving conflict is to consider them more important than you. Now, humility is not putting yourself down. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less about yourself. So that's what Paul, the advice Paul's giving us. And he, the next verse he continues, he says, abandon every display of selfishness. So when I'm talking about my giftedness, my desire to love for music is the only thing that makes me happy. That's a selfish thing, right? Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. In his case, what matters to his family. Now what Paul is telling us here is preventive medicine. If you and I would do that, we would have unity and there wouldn't be conflict. 
The reason we have it is because we don't do it and we're selfish. So the way to resolve differences is not by fighting for what you want, but by choosing humility. Not fighting for what I want, insisting that I get what I want. That's kind of what the society teaches. But choosing humility, which is considered the other person more important. So we get to kind of the pivotal point in the movie. And we have another encounter with his great-great-grandmother and uh, grandfather, Hector. And Miguel makes a mature, wise decision. Mijo, I was so worried. Thank goodness we found you in time. And you... How many times must I turn you away? Imelda. I want nothing to do with you. Not in life, not in death. I spent decades protecting my family from your mistakes. He spends five minutes with you and I have to fish him out of a sinkhole. I wasn't in there because of Hector. He was in there because of me. He was just trying to get me home. I didn't want to listen, but he was right. Nothing is more important than family. I'm ready to accept your blessing and your conditions. Nothing more important than family. I'm ready to accept your blessing and condition. What was the condition? Give up music. But he was talented at music. He was gifted. It made him happy. But it doesn't make him happy when it destroys his relationship with his family. <clears throat> so where do we see that in our lives? We see it in our relationships. Uh, husband and wives, parent-child relationship, child-parent relationship. We see it in church relationship. see it at work relationships. So husbands, what would it look like? If you came home and said, uh, man, it's been a tough day. I worked really hard, but wife, um, what can I do to make your life better, make it life easier? Or wives, what would it look like if you did that I had a tough day, but I know you worked hard today. What can I do to make your life easier or better? Wouldn't it be great if children would ask parents that? Uh, Parents often ask their children in one form or another. Other people you're in a relationship, friends, uh, people at church, people at work, what would it look like? It certainly would improve relationships, wouldn't it? Now, the interesting thing about this principle, it works for everyone. You don't have to be a Jesus follower to put other people before yourself. The problem is it's just really hard to do, isn't it? For every, all of us, it's, it's just hard to do. We are selfish by nature. That's why we have to practice this, understanding why we should do it. So then we get into kind of the main part of what Paul is saying. After he set us up, he talks about Jesus. He says, And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. So Jesus is our example. We're Jesus' followers. He said, Let this mindset become your motivation. Let this mindset. Put others before yourself. Let that become your motivation. Some translation says uh, your attitude. Now, the interesting thing about attitude is you get to choose your attitude. I was talking to our neighbor last night. And he's kind of a negative person. And at one point I said to him, doesn't, name's Wally, Wally doesn't take any more energy to be negative than it does to be positive. And I choose to be positive. I've got kids and grandkids, and I'm hoping the world's going to get better. He's, you know, insists that the world's going get, to get worse. And it, it may, but it doesn't take any more energy to be 
positive than it does to be negative. So we are to have the mindset or the attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he explains to us exactly what that, in a very powerful way. He said, he, meaning Jesus, existed in the form of God. So he's God. Yet, he gave no thought of seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. He said, okay, just hang out with God and be God. Some translations say he gave up his rights. Now, that's a biggie in our society, right? I have a right to do what I want to do. I have a right to believe what I want to believe. Uh, I have a right to be a musician if I want to be a musician if my family doesn't like it. He, now, Jesus is God. This is hard to comprehend. He did not claim that right. In fact, he gave up that right. So Miguel, willing, he did at this point, we just saw he was willing to give up the thing that he loved, music, for something he loved greater, his family. He goes on to talk to Jesus. He says, instead, him, he, Jesus, emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became a human being. He became human. Now, we really can't comprehend this. Bad illustration, but I'm going to try it's like you and I becoming a flea. It's even worse than that, but I couldn't think of a worse illustration. Or a microorganism. That's what Jesus did to become one of us. He limited himself. It's hard to imagine. He had it all. He's God. He's in heaven. And he limited himself. He didn't claim his right. His right was to be God. And he goes on. That's not enough. Paul goes on. He says he humbled. He, Jesus humbled himself. And became vulnerable. God's not vulnerable. But Jesus became vulnerable. He became a man. The Bible says in another place that he was tempted in all ways as you and I have been. Choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example. It's the only perfect example we have. And his example went even to his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. This horrible death that he could have avoided. There's an old hymn that says he could have called 10,000 angels down, wiped everybody out. He didn't have to suffer and die. But he gave up that right of being God. And he sacrificed his life so that you and I could have a relationship with God. So how do we do that? Well, we do it the same way he did it. We put others first because Jesus put us first. We shouldn't, have to need, we shouldn't need any other motivation. <laughs> we should put others first because Jesus put us first. Now, kind of a sidelight here. Why did Jesus come? Well, forgive us for our sins, reconnect us with God, give us eternity in heaven. But you don't want to have a deathbed conversion because when you become a Jesus follower, it improves your life here on earth. And Jesus described it this way in John 10.10. 10. I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. The key is, this fullness doesn't come from selfishness. It comes from servanthood. It comes from sacrifice. So Jesus showed, showed us how to do it. And only then are we really truly free. Some translation says you live freely. As long as you're a slave, slave to your selfishness, you're never going to be free. But when you put others first, you can be free. And then we have to trust, as we do that, that God will 
fulfill us. The next part is considered a hymn of the early church, a, a worship song. And so we see the result of what, okay, Jesus gave up all this, and what happened? What is the result of that? Paul describes it in the next couple of verses. He said, because of that obedience, because he put others first, put us first, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. So he didn't try to be great, but God made him great. He has not, he's been given the name, the greatest of all names. Next verse, the authority of that name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. So Jesus bowed his knee to us and to his disciples, washed their feet. And now, what does he get in return? Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in heavenly realms, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. Everywhere. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh or Jehovah, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. So by Jesus putting us first, he became, God put him first, which brought glory back to the Father. So quickly, three things we can learn from this, this passage and from this uh, movie. It reminds us of the true nature of God. If you ever doubt God, and you can read the Old Testament kind of wonder, what's God really like? All you need to do is look at Jesus. Jesus is God. He's a perfect example. Can't see God, but I can see Jesus. So what did Jesus look like? What did Jesus do? What kind of attitudes did he have? Well, we just read. He served others. That's God's nature, to be loving and caring and giving. So never doubt God's nature. Secondly, it challenges us to do for others what God has done for us. So what has God done for us? Well, he's sacrificed it all for us. He sacrificed his only son. So what does that look like in your life, in, in your relationships, in your situation? How would it change your family? How would it change your marriage? How would it change your workplace? How would it change our church? How would it change our community? How would it change where you go to school? What does that look like in your life? And thirdly, it teaches... That when we put others first, everyone benefits. This interesting dynamic. This, it produces the power to change, to transform lives and relationships, obviously for the better. And it, well, I put it, I can say it this way, it's only, it works best in community, or it only can work in community. It could be a family community, or it could be a church community, it could be a community that you live that's why I encourage you to be in a community group or small group because this can't happen staring at me for a half hour. Uh, we'll talk about that again in a couple of weeks. So we get to the end of the movie. And um, that's what we see. Everyone benefits. To a
happy ending movies. <laughs> so we put others first because Jesus put us first. Everybody wins. I guess the problem is we're impatient. Miguel was impatient. He finally came to the place where he sacrificed his music for his family and it transformed his family to they accepted music again. So that's our series about at the movies. I want to tell you where we're going next week. Um, Next week, we're going to start a series, Because I Choose. You are, your life and my life is a result of the decisions we've made. And we make hundreds of decisions every day. So we're going to talk about that for a couple of weeks. Hopefully, you can join us. We'll pray. Uh, worship team will come and do a, a song, and then we'll give, have our final giveaway. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. It's been a, a joy to share from uh, the Bible your truth and how interestingly it connects with this, this movie, Coco. And God... Uh, as it works out in, in, in the movie, uh, everyone benefits. Uh, so too as it work out in, light, in our lives when we choose to put others first because you, Jesus, put us first. It's hard to do, God. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit to help us accomplish that. Uh, we want to pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower, that they would not wait to another day, but they would, today would be the day that we accept your grace and your mercy and forgiveness and enter into a relationship. Because you desire to give them a full, free life. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. We pray that the, those folks would make that decision today. Father God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.